Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now news on the march April 6th, 1917, two boys ordered to cross no man's land to prevent an attack against a friendly regiment. Can they make it? What horrors will they encounter along the way? Find out in Sam Mendes, 1917, discussed today on For Screen and Country. Wow. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, newsreel guy. Thank you, Daniel Day-Lewis. No, he can't do a newsreel. Oh, He's the world's greatest actor. Can't do a newsreel voice. That's his Achilles heel. Mm, yeah, that's that's one thing he can't do. He's probably pretty angry that we <laughs> mentioned that, and that may come back to bite us uh, seven or eight episodes down the road, but I don't think we have to worry about it for now. Eh, let's just crack this open yeah, here. Open it up. Oh, I've already got mine open. We're going to talk about a drinking movie, Jason. <laughs> yeah, well, the kind of movie you need to drink if you went through the whole thing. Well, I guess if you, I guess you're Jason and I'm Brendan. We should mention that too. Yes, that's who we are. Uh, this is a country. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a podcast. No, we're living in a country. The country of for screening country. <laughs> yeah, this is a country called for, for screening, screening podcast. For screening. For screening. What the nation of for screening? Because oh. it's the for screening country. This is for screening country. This is a podcast called For Screen and Country. And we usually talk about the top 100 British films of all British time as compiled in the British year of our British Lord in 1900 and British 90, British 9. However, today we are going to look at a movie that could theoretically in the future end up on this very list in a revised form. Yeah, if they ever update the goddamn thing. Yeah, get to it, guys. What are you doing? You've been just fucking around for 20 years? Fingers in your asses? We'll get them out and fucking pick up a pencil. Wow. The hot takes. Yeah. Uh, we are talking about a little movie, which is a little mini episode, or at least not a full episode. Yeah. Um, we're talking about a film that uh, was just recently in theaters. Uh, we saw it maybe six weeks ago at this point. Yeah, it's a while ago. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm not really real clear yeah. um, remembrance of this, but I mean, it's, it's a movie that sticks out. Uh, tons of nominations at the Oscars. Mm. It ended up winning a few. Um, it ended up, uh, you know, it's, it's an Oscar winner for visual effects, sound mixing, and cinematography, but it was also up for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, mm. Best Original Score, Best Makeup, Best Production Design, and Best Sound Editing. Ladies and gentlemen, Sam Mendes is 1917.
The best year of our life. Yeah, it was a good year. Um, Wait, stuff happened, right? A lot of stuff happened in 1917. So Sam Mendes, whom uh, we remember from the the really good at the time, but maybe less well-remembered film American Beauty. I uh, stand by it. Solid film. I still think it's Uh, good. And also director of a movie that I love very much, Road to Perdition. And and director of a movie that I wonder if it doesn't age that greatly. Jarhead. Well, it might, actually. And, of course, he directed... Did he direct... Casino Royale, or was it no, Skyfall? No, you're thinking, I think so. He directed, like, the bad one, didn't Skyfall he? and Spectre? Or, you mean uh, Quantum of Solace? I think he did Spectre. Okay. There's one that, like, people did. I haven't seen any of these. Anyways, he's I know he's a great that, director, anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah, movie, yeah, bad yeah. movie. He makes a, an interesting movie. <laughs> Fact check us on the Bond thing, yeah, guys. Yeah, so this is, this is 1917. This is a very simple movie. Mm-hmm. This is the story of two soldiers. Uh... Yep. Do they have names? I don't remember their names. It doesn't matter. Do they? Do the actors have names? George McKay plays one of them. George McKay plays. He's one the of them. main guy. Yeah. Uh, and these two boys are ordered to uh, cross no man's land on their own because uh, they've lost touch with the Second Devonshire Regiment, which is going to mount an attack that will be a suicide because they don't know that the Germans have retreated and re-entrenched themselves. Lance Corporal Schofield and Lance Corporal Blake. All right. Schofield and Blake. Schofield? 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 It's probably Schofield. Schofield and Blake, yeah. Because we watched this movie like three years ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. So what this movie basically boils down to, uh, it, it, it takes place in what appears to be one shot. I thought you were going to say, it takes place in what appears to be 1917. And takes place over the course of, uh, well, I mean, he is knocked out at one point in the movie, so we're not clear on exactly how long he's out, but it takes place real time over the course of this movie, so about mm-hmm. two hours. And it's also based... On an account told to Sam Mendes by his grandfather, Alfred. Yeah. So, right out of the gate, we can say that, yeah, this this is based on a story that was told. This is not a real historical thing that happened. Kind of based on one, but... This is, this is right at the right before the start of what became known as the Battle of Arras in 1917, which is important for Canadians because April 9th, 1917, the first big engagement of the Battle of Arras, which lasted until May was the battle for Vimy Ridge, where Canada forged its national identity as the four groups of the Canadian Corps assaulted and captured the formerly thought to be unassailable position of the Germans at the Vimy Ridge, or at Vimy Ridge and on the heights there. Oh, and all of the characters in this movie are fictional. Yes. Every single one. (laughs) Every single one. But representative, certainly, of the types. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, this is right before the Battle of Arras, um, and... This is deep in World War One. 1917, the war's been raging for three years. You have two incredibly exhausted sides fighting each other. I mean, the Germans uh, have been pounding the French and the British because this is a war. Oh, okay. Number one. Okay. Number two. It takes place in 1917. It takes place in 1917. Number three, they're all dug into the ground, trench warfare. So what had happened is that in 1914, when the war was still a war of, of mobility, the Germans invaded France. And got as far as the Marne outside of Paris. Of course, their objective was to take Paris. Uh, but in what became known as the miracle of the Marne, the French and British and everybody managed to hold off the German invaders and, and you know push them back. And so it became what was known as the race to the sea. They tried to flank each other until they basically got to the ocean. And then everybody dug in and began four years of terrible trench warfare of guys sitting in holes, pointing machine guns at each other, and occasionally throwing hundreds of thousands of men at their other uh, numbers' machine guns. Although, really, it was the Allies that were doing the throwing of troops because the Germans didn't give a shit. The Germans were happy to just sit there and build concrete trenches and just let the Allies 
you know, get cut down on their machine guns. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is three years into the war. It's just been a bloodbath, a murder machine for three years, and uh, we're right before this battle. And so this is one tiny little piece of the war. This is actually a pretty small-scale movie, Brendan. I was kind of expecting a big epic World War One, you know, getting sweeping shots of the battlefield and things like that. But it's not really what this movie's about. This movie's about two guys. It's a personal journey. Yeah, it's a very personal journey. Yeah. It's a very small mission. We see little things. So they they are sent out in no man's land. We see the, the basically lunar surface that results from being pounded by artillery for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the barbed wire and everything. And they have to get to where they're going. And they end up going to a German trench, which is an interesting scene to me. Uh, because it shows you the difference. Because you, if you go back to those British trenches at the very beginning of the movie, it's all wood trenches. They got like wood pathways and stuff, and, and ladders and everything. But they're dirt holes with wood. The Germans, because the Germans don't need to worry as much about advancing, have just dug in and built concrete trenches, like full-on poured concrete trenches, uh, very hard to penetrate. Yeah. Um, when they get to those first uh, trenches, they've been abandoned, so they're exploring around inside, trying to find a way through to where they're going, and. <laughs> They end up with a scene in the movie, which to me was the most, I guess, uh, startling scene in the uh, yeah. movie, where they're in this German trench and they see these bags of what I guess is meat hanging from the ceiling, mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure out what it is, and at the last second they realize, oh fuck, this is a trap, and one of the rats is crawling on the bag, and the bag falls down and hits a tripwire and fucking blows a bomb off or a mine or something in the trench. I just about shit myself in the theater. It was Jason's so loud. popcorn was in the fan. <laughs> wow. Uh... Yeah, that was an intense scene. And anyways, they managed to survive that, although a bit dazed. Mm-hmm. Um, another scene that really stands out is as they're, uh, they, they come across an abandoned farm and a German airplane starts attacking them. It's like flying over and, and strafing them, isn't it? Yeah, well, it, it reminded me a little bit of like... Or no, North- no, he's not strafing them. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's in a battle. They're watching the air battle happen. Mm-hmm. There's two Allied planes, I think, fighting the German plane and the Allies shoot the German and then he ends up crashing onto the ground at the farm. The shot kind of reminds me of the, the plane coming in of like north by north. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's straight up that same, like they're just kind of, they're looking and it's coming down, it's coming down and they're like, oh fuck, it's coming right for us and they start to run. And, and how appropriate that it's a British film too. Mm. Like the, mm. the ultimate British director. Absolutely. Huge goal. Uh, and then that leads to one of the, I think one of the best scenes in the movie. So the plane crashes and the plane's on fire. And they run over, and the German pilot is still alive and yelling and whatever because he's going to burn to death. And so, mm-hmm. I guess just the base level of human decency takes over, and they grab this guy and they haul his ass out of the plane uh, and drag him over onto the grass. And the thanks they get for it is that he, in the state he's in, immediately stabs one of the one of the guys. Blake, I think, is the one that gets stabbed. the one that I thought was going to be the yeah, lead character, the kind of chubbier guy. I know. was kind of shocked by that. I thought he was the lead, and I have not not recognizing either actor yeah, no, from the, anything before. I just assumed this was the lead actor because they're off to the, basically he has a brother hmm. in the place where they're going. Yes, and so when he was stabbed, it genuinely shocked me. Hmm. I, I also thought that even if one of them was to die, I thought both of them we'd be with both of them for the for the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, you think it, and yeah, but this is only about this is about halfway through the movie. I'm not even. Yeah. I don't think because it's right after that scene where you mentioned with the mines. Yes, it's shortly after that. Yeah. So yeah, he gets stabbed, and then we get a death scene, uh, and basically telling him like to tell his brother that you know he did good. Yeah, it's it's pretty cliche. It's the it's war, cliche, it's the but war it's, movie it's, cliche it's a war movie. movie. But it's, and you know, it's yeah. it's what you would expect. Uh, I I know I have a note here that the film was inspired by something called Operation Alberic, 
which is apparently a German withdrawal to new positions on the shorter and more easily defended Hindenburg Line, which took place between February 9th and March 20th, 1917. Yeah, so that was the prelude to this battle. This, they had they had withdrawn from their forward trenches to their better mm-hmm. entrenched positions along the Hindenburg Line because it was easier for them to defend those. This and, is apparently and, what also inspired the yeah, movie. Yeah, and, and the fact that they pull back to these positions is what the Devonshire Regiment in the movie doesn't know. Mm-hmm. So they're going, they're apparently going to do this attack, but they don't realize that the Germans have basically re-entrenched themselves, re-fortified themselves, and are ready for them should they should they come after them. No Did, doubt with a storm of steel, to quote the Ernst Junger book. But Jason, movie-wise, what's the big thing that everyone talks about when they mention this movie? Uh, it's the fact that this movie has the appearance of being yeah. shot in one continuous camera shot. Yeah, we, we, we put kind of the appearance or little air quotes around yeah. that because... It looks like it's all one shot, and it's beautifully done. There are a couple of moments, like I think Jason and I both uh, kind of chuckled at the fake ass waterfall shot. Yeah, yeah. And like, there's a few, there's a couple things here and there, but like for the most part, it, it gives. Well, for, not for the most part, for the whole movie, it gives off the appearance. There's one cut. There's one visible cut. Which I is think. Where? I think there's one visible cut, where? or maybe it's the maybe I just looked at it and was like, oh, this is clearly a cut. But there is, um, it gives off the appearance of being in one continuous take. Which, I mean, anybody yeah. can watch this movie. Anybody who's ever done anything with film, or even yeah. like anybody who just watches movies, can watch this movie. Like, there's no fucking way they yeah. did this whole thing in one take. There's special effects going on. There's explosions. Yeah. There's people jumping in waterfalls. Yeah. Well, well, there certainly have been movies that have been done in one take. But I mean, not Ru- with Russian this, Ark is a good example. But not with but, this level of intricacy in well, I mean, terms that's, of that's like, a very intricate movie. But that's intricacy. It comes from like the movement of people and the costumes and everything that they yeah. have in it. Whereas this, yes, the intricacy would make it very difficult. Yeah, especially because like, there's that whole period where he's not out yeah and you've got like <laughs> blood effects and squibs yeah. and stuff like it's just it's yeah and it's one of those things like i really appreciate it but at the same time i kind of wish i hadn't known that fact going into the movie because if, when you know that and you're kind of interested in film you spend a good chunk of the movie watching for the seams trying to figure out where they made the cuts and you like there's a scene early on where you where they're climbing up the trench and the camera pans away from them over the lip of the trench and then kind of comes they come back into sight and it's like oh that was probably a moment they cut it right there well it's funny <laughs> you mentioned that because i i wrote it i wrote this down there is a review um and a review on NPR, uh, Justin Chang kind of was a little bit, no, he didn't hate it, but he was a little less positive than most people were about yeah. this movie. And he actually mentioned something you kind of touched on. Um, he said the film was a mind boggling technical achievement, but he said he didn't think it was that spectacular overall because Sam Mendes' style with its impression of a continuous take can be just as distracting as it is immersive. Mm. So we can, I mean, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I dislike this movie, but I think he makes a good point in that. Yes, it's, beautiful and it's wonderful that he was able to accomplish this feat but like you said knowing this going in and knowing this as you're watching it it is a little bit distracting yeah just because you're watching for it and that's the thing is the the best thing to do with this movie if you want to show it to someone is don't tell them anything about how it was shot just sit them down in front of it and no doubt when they're done watching it'll be like that movie had a weird feel to it and then they won't know why and then you can explain well it looked like it was all in one shot didn't it yeah yeah, I mean, I think it's more of an immersive experience if you go in kind of cold. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I believe, like, hey, everybody should watch this movie because, unfortunately, World War One in, in the pop history sphere kind of gets the short end of the stick compared to World War II. Well, World War II is the one with all the Nazis. Yeah, World War II is the one that has the clear villain uh, that has been portrayed as such. Uh, uh, Winston Churchill? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The clear villain that has been portrayed as such pretty consistently for the last 80 years. I learned uh, anything. At least the, until the last recent the years. Now Nazis hour. are cool, I guess, apparently. Wait, what? According to some of the YouTube channels I watch. Well, they voted for the president. Yeah. Hey! Ayo. But, I don't uh, regret anything. 
<laughs> I regret nothing. But yeah, it's definitely worth watching because there aren't, like I say, there aren't a whole lot of World War One movies. I mean, there's, you know, there's Paths of Glory and, and um, All Quiet in the Western Front, you know, are, are examples, but there's just not a whole lot of them. And I, I'm really hoping that one day I do get to see like the proper Battle of the Somme or, or a movie like that that really give us a sense of the scale. Or what is it? The, there was the, later in the war, there was a battle where the... British had spent something like 18 months digging tunnels under the German lines, planting explosives. There was 21 mines, Brendan, that they built. And they just packed these fucking mines full of explosives. And on the day, they fucking set them off. And just down this line of German trenches, you just see boom, 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 as these explosions go off along the way. And it just, I mean, I don't know that it was necessarily even that helpful that day. Like, it wasn't a crushing British victory. It did help them win, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it's fascinating to me because there was 21 of those mines and I know for a fact that 19 of them went off that day. One went off, I think, in like the 50s. <laughs> I'm sure surprising everyone. Jesus and there's Christ. one left. Do they there's, know where it is? They, the government knows where it is. They don't tell anyone where it is because it's full of fucking explosives. But, oh, okay, but they've got to like. But I, I think off. it's like on. I mean, I mean, you could probably figure it out because you know because you could look at history and figure out where the battlefield is, so you'd have a general idea of where it is. So wait, people could just walk in and like step on. I it? feel like it's probably cordoned off because okay. it, it would be a historical site because it was the. Why site wouldn't of they that just battle. deactivate that? Well, Brendan, I don't know how you go about deactivating a pile of explosives that have been sitting under the ground for eighty years, ninety years, a hundred years, uh, and you can't really get access to them. Like, it's just, it's just, they've been there for so long. And I think people forgot that they were there. Why don't they just do what all, every red-blooded American would do? And set it off. Just throw a stick at it and let it go. We Queen Latifah this. We set it off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. She's royalty. She knows what she's talking That's about. That's right. Oh, the, um, the, the once and future queen. Can I, can I give you a, an even hotter take about sure. this movie? Not from me, but from uh, a writer for the New York Times, Kathy Templesman. Mm. And she says, she says, I don't like World War One. <laughs> no, she argues that the storyline offers, quote, a dangerously misleading picture of the war, suggesting, quote, a concern for the sanctity of human life from the top down, whereas the reality was, and this is her quote, an appalling indifference as the British High Command sent hundreds of thousands of their young men to die. She adds that the false heroics and filmmaking feats of wonder served to provide an escape from the true carnage of the Great War, and that in reality the scale of the casualties was such that the potential loss of 1,600 men would not have excited the response portrayed in the film. No, absolutely. And and she's absolutely right, because this was a, an army that, you know, on, on the Somme had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of casualties on, yeah. on each day, like almost... She's almost making the Gandhi argument, in that, yeah. in that like, it's celebrating stuff, but there's also stuff there that's like icky that we're not we're kind it's, of ignoring it, yeah, it, it is it is not driving home the cheapness of human life in that specific war i mean human life's cheap in any war but like given the way technology had gone and the tactics that were being used at that point like because when we think of warfare like when we think of world war ii we think of them you know we're advancing we're fighting the germans we're getting into battle of the balls there's pockets and movement and flanking and all that sort of stuff but when you're in trench warfare it's just a meat grinder it's just a it's just a constant barrage of people being thrown at machine guns and cut down. So the combination of the words meat and the dating app grinder made me laugh. <laughs> That's the premium version of grinder, meat grinder. <laughs> it's way better. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just a cheapness to human life that the high command, you know, I mean, they cared about, but like, we're more than willing to sacrifice those men. I mean, you think about like, uh, yeah, I a think place like Verdun. 
for the French army where they were under bombardment from the Germans for months. Hundred like a hundred thousand plus guys killed and just being pounded by millions and millions of shells. And like uh, General, uh, what's his name? Uh, General uh, Patton. No, he's a Eisenhower. German. Oh, he was the guy that was buddies with Hitler. What was his name? General Ludendorff. Ludendorff, you know, wanting to bleed the French white by just fucking killing as many of them as possible in, in artillery. Like, it's just, it's, it's a nasty, nasty war. Man, read up on it. Read, uh, read The Storm of Steel by Ernst Jünger if you want a kind of a German perspective on it. It's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit uh, uh, pro-war, but it's a, it's a good historical read. Or All Quiet on the Western Front, I guess, for another German perspective. Uh, there's no allied books about World War One. Don't worry about it, but... <laughs> or the unfinished film by Jerry Lewis. That's World War II. Uh, tomato, tomato. Jason, I'm starting to think that idea we have about uh, a podcast after the after we're done this uh, is maybe the route to go, <laughs> basing on this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, ooh, was that a little hint? Um, I want to talk about something else. Sure. Does the time frame thing bother you at all? That it takes place over the course of a couple hours. That it like kind of like involves a little. Okay, well, it involves a little bit of suspension of disbelief. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Because I mean, yes, yeah, you the, the idea that scene. he could get there in the two hours that you yeah. see him conscious. And I, and like this is the thing. I'm not trying. I'm. I mean, I know I'm saying a lot of like things like yeah. playing devil's devil's advocate a bit, but I think it's important not to just heap praise yeah. on this movie. Did, did we? Uh, did we? Did they say how far they had to go? I don't remember because. At my walking speed on a on like regular flat sidewalk, I can do about six miles in two hours. Mm-hmm. I don't know that uh, these boys going across no man's land could major could uh, manage that same pace without right. You know, and they stop a lot too. Yeah, they stop a lot. Is mud like yeah. it's just um, awful? Yeah, and I mean he's knocked out for a while, but when he's knocked out, he doesn't move. No. So, I mean, we assume we don't see it. I mean, that'd be weird, right? Yeah, it would be weird if there was a whole scene that played out while he was unconscious. Speaking of uh, the person that's unconscious, mm. I feel like the one thing that I do... I mean, first of all, I'm going to say this. Um, I like that it was nominated for Best Picture. I don't mm. think it should have won. Um, it didn't win. No. I like the Parasite one. If, you doubt, if you've not seen Parasite, folks, please watch Parasite. It's, it's amazing. What? It's on my list. Yeah. Bong, uh, B- uh, Bong Joon-ho is... Bong Joon-ho! Hasn't made a movie that I've disliked yet. Yeah. And I haven't even seen Snowpiercer yet, but I'm sure it's great. I think the only other was, was Jojo Rabbit nominated? Jojo Rabbit picture? was nominated. Jojo Rabbit picture? was fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. I did watch that last week. It was really good. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy that Parasite won. But anyway, I just want to say the one kind of snub of this movie, even though it was nominated for like 10 Oscars, George McKay, the lead actor. Mm. I think he, I think he was great, and yeah. he kind of got like nothing during this whole award. Yeah, I know season. he he really he carried that whole movie literally. And, it, like. and it's and it's a thing though. It's a thing though where I feel like there's a, such a technical achievement that people are not even looking at the performances. True, and it overshadows it in a way. Also, we got to give a special fuck you to the marketers of this movie. Yes, I have that written down too. <laughs> Go ahead, tell Who them. Prominently feature Benedict Cumberbatch in and, the marketing for this movie and, and Colin Firth and Colin Firth. And between the two of them, they've got about 60 seconds of screen time in the yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. We, we only see Benedict Cumberbatch's character because he's the general that, that um, uh, Schofield is going to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we see him. Yeah, I was a bit facetious. But yeah, literally no more than five minutes on screen because he goes in, he talks to him, whatever. Gives Colin him Firth advice. has a speech. Benedict Cumberbatch has one scene. Yeah. 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 And I mean, they're great. 
Sure. They're I mean, perfect for those roles. They I'm glad do. they cast them. It's just a weird that they like sold the movie on them. <laughs> and I feel like that's what it is, man. Yeah. I feel like it's like, oh, people are not going to know like George McKay and these mm. other people. But honestly, it's also like, without even knowing they were in it, I, I thought that I thought it looked like a really good war film. What's that movie with, is it Kurt Russell? Is, is it Executive Decision? Is that the one that... Oh, uh, yeah. That has Steven Seagal in it for like four minutes. I've never seen it, but I know of what you're, yeah, I know they, what you're they, talking about. Yeah, they sold this movie as having Steven Seagal in it, and he dies in the first five minutes of the movie. But see, to me, that'd be like a Christmas present. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that and be like, oh, I but, will but, watch But this. imagine, and I know it's going to be hard, but imagine you're a Steven Seagal fan. Uh, <laughs> I hate myself already. Yeah, there you go. Imagine how much more you'd hate yourself if you go to see your favorite star in the movie, and he dies in the first five minutes. Yeah. And then you're like, is he coming back to life? Is it that kind of movie? I'd be outside trying to convert all those fans. See, he, he sucks. Just handing out DVDs for Under Siege 2. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for like JCVD. Hmm. <laughs> Watch this shit. I don't know. I, wait, this movie wasn't made yet. <laughs> it's very prescient. Yes. As you like to say. Based on the novel Push. Yes. By Sapphire. So yeah, World War One. <laughs> what a, what a what day. What a war. What a day. <laughs> it's all happened in first 1914. Yeah, according to this movie, it all happened in one day. But yeah, as far as wars go, that's a that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we talk about this on, uh, I was going to say on our other podcast. We talk about this when we talk about movies on the list. Do you want to know how it did at the uh, British British Academy Film Awards? Fill me in. Okay. Well, it was, I'll tell you the ones it was nominated for but did not win first. So it was nominated for Best Original Score and Best Makeup and Hair. Did not win either one. But it wins a bunch. It wins Best Film. Yep. Overall, best okay. British film, sure. Best director, yep. Best cinematography, best production design, yep. Best sound, sure. And best visual effects, yeah. So I'd say it's a big thing. Now the, the CG in the movie seems to be relatively minimal. There's a few scenes where it's noticeable, yeah. Specifically the when the waterfall scene, which I gotta say too that congr- really sticks out like a sore thumb. Congrats to the Baftas for not nominating the screenplay. Not that it was bad, yeah. but when the Oscars came in and that was one of the nominated screenplays, I was like, I don't. That's the that's, movie's strongest. I was gonna say that's. It's not like it's like oh yeah, it's like Kevin Smith dialogue in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean like even the even like the dialogue is like it's it's, it's fine. fine. It's it, fine. It serves for, the purpose exactly. And like I know Benedict Cumberbatch is kind of a spicy little speech later yep. on, and he, he drops a couple f bombs, and that's yep. all well and good. But like yeah, it's, the screenplay is not the first thing I come to. No, this is a movie about, about cinematography. This is yeah, visual cin- effects, absolutely. the sound. This is a movie George about McKay conveying a sense. Of what it's like to be there. Yeah. What it might have been like to be involved in that war. Just a little bit. Now, to be fair, I will say this movie was not nearly as brutal as I had expected. Because, again, World War One is a brutal war. Mm-hmm. But there's some there's some, some violence in it, for sure. It's a war movie. Yeah, I mean, it's rated R. Yeah. Uh, for a reason. Leave the kids so, at home. Yeah. yeah. They don't need a babysitter. They'll be fine. I don't think it's in theaters anymore, but... <laughs> well, then get to your favorite torrent site and deal with it. Jason? No, we don't push that. I push... Anarchy in the UK. That's what I'm pushing. Uh, not here. Uh, 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 not here in Canada. We need law and order here. But yes. in the UK, guys, go nuts. Well, you're out. You're you know you're Brexited now. That's Just... right. Nothing. Nothing is unpermitted in England now because you're not sub, uh, subjected to European law. So anything goes, guys. Anything goes. Anything and if, goes. And if anybody gives you shit about that, you tell them I said it was cool. You said Jason told you it's cool to break the tell law. Tell them the Governor General of Canada, Jason, said it was cool. They won't know that I'm not that. They won't know. They're British. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those idiots. <laughs> Just kidding. Who's the Governor General of Australia? Exactly. Um, I was going to answer if you'd let me. It's Paul Hogan. His name is Yahoo Sirius. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes, they recently <laughs> appointed him. 
Yeah, so I mean, um, so I mean, final thoughts, 1917. I love war movies. I wouldn't, I, you know what, as far as an entertaining, like just rollicking war movie, I wouldn't put it in the same level as something from a few years back like um, Fury. Yeah, I love fat, Fury. It's fantastic. Love movie. Fury. That was so underappreciated. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm surprised it didn't get some Academy Award noms. It deserved it. It was Critic, critically loved, but like kind of forgotten. And about. talk about a movie with with a little CG. That movie has a has the only like the only remaining working King Tiger tank that Germany fielded in World War II. The mm-hmm. only remaining working one was in this movie, and they drive it around in the movie like. That's really fucking cool. And fucking, it made me appreciate Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, I know. He's great. <laughs> that was he's great from, in that movie. From that point forward, I was yeah. like, I love this Everybody kid. in that movie. And introduced us to John Barenthal. I thought you were going to say, and introduced us to Brad Pitt. And to Brad Pitt, yeah. This young up-and-comer Brad Pitt. <laughs> Oscar-winning Brad Pitt. We can say that now. That's right. Finally. Congrats. Congrats, Brad Pitt. You earned it. You should have got it for Fight Club. I don't think I got nominated. Clink. Did, nominate, did Fight Club get any nom- noms back in the day? You okay? Nom-noms? Did Fight Club get any nom-noms? I don't know. We'll have to get the listeners to fact check. Tweet us. Tell us if Fight Club won an Academy Award. <laughs> Something we can easily check. That's right. <laughs> we don't want to do it. You tell us. But yeah, Fury was really good. Fury was really good. Um, but yeah, 1917, definitely put it in your war movie queue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd put it up there with some of the... Yeah, Fury would be one. Uh, Saving Private Ryan, obviously. Mm-hmm. Thin Red Line, if you're really stoned. Um <laughs> You could probably watch uh, uh, Band of Brothers, which is a TV show, but it's like a long movie. Uh, Pacific, also another TV show. Like you're going to say movie. Pacific Rim? <laughs> Pacific Rim, classic. Uh, it tells us of the Kaiju Wars. Um, <laughs> Starship Troopers, fantastic war movie mm-hmm. about that time we fought all those bugs. I remember that. Yeah. Casper Van Dien was my best mm. friend. Yeah. Also, Starship Troopers 3, not bad. Get out. Starship Troopers 2, maybe don't watch it, but Starship Troopers 3, it's okay. What's wrong with you? It's got a weird religious end to it. It's funny. Okay. Oh, so it's like good-bad. Yeah. No, okay. it's good-bad. Okay. It's not It's not good-bad in the same way that Starship Troopers is a fucking masterpiece, but it's enjoyable. Okay. Well, okay. Interesting take. Paul Verhoeven makes the best good-bad movies. He did not make Starship Troopers 3. No. No. Ed Numier, I think, made Starship Troopers 3, possibly. <laughs> what the fuck is the, that? Like, second unit director or the... How do you know design? that, Jason? I don't know. I, I know he directed the second You one. haven't seen Jaws, but you know the name of the director of Starship <laughs> Troopers 3. I just want to point I'm that out. I'm not even sure. Wait a second. Hey, Siri. Who directed Starship Troopers 3? Starship Troopers 3. Marauder was directed by Edward Neumeyer. All right, I was right. You fucking knew that. (laughs) All right. So, hey Siri, in conclusion, why hasn't Jason seen Jaws? Fuck you, Brendan. (laughs) Yeah, in conclusion. So, in conclusion, Starship Troopers, great trilogy. Maybe not a good second movie, but okay. So, nineteen seventeen. No, I like it a lot. It's it's a great movie. Um. I'm kind of glad it didn't come away with Best Picture. I know mm-hmm. it won Best Picture and Best Director at the Golden Globes, and that's when I was like, eh, I don't know if we need to give it. Like, I don't know if we need to give this to another war movie, but um, it's it's really good. Hollywood, it's- if you're listening, please give me the World War One tank movie I want. Now I get it. World War One tanks are not real sexy. They're big. They're heavy. They're slow, um, and they're very loud. But goddamn, I want to see just a just a big spread of fucking. British tanks crushing German soldiers in 1918. The so. only sexy tank movie that has ever been made is called Tank Girl. Mm. Lori Petty. And Naomi Watts. Wow. All right. Well, why don't we end this podcast and go masturbate to that? <laughs> We're awful. Uh, so, Jason, that is it. 
Uh, could we come yeah, to the end of this mini plans. episode? Yeah, we got plans. <laughs> okay, you gotta stop telling the people that. <laughs> they do not need to know about our mutual masturbation. That's right. That's our that's our personal life, and you don't need to be involved in it. <laughs> exactly. You can just make sure to click on the link on YouTube. That's right. Subscribe, follow, <laughs> upload. Upl- what are they uploading? <laughs> Reacting you know, yeah, videos. Reaction videos. Yes, absolutely. We want to see. We want to see your faces as you see our faces. Oh, well, maybe not our faces, but. Ooh. Um, I like close-ups. So, <laughs> what I was gonna say, Jason, is uh, we're taking we we announced this last week as well, but we're taking a break from the list for yeah. a while. Yeah. Um, we're gonna do some uh, sequels, remakes. Gotta side, mix it up. Side quills. That's right. Um, inspired buys. Uh, based on the story of's, uh, yeah. <laughs> and what is this whole little mini series we're gonna do called? This mini series is called, and now for something completely similar. That's right. And we are starting off next week with a little film, a little film connected <laughs> to a movie that I fucking despised. You really want to uh, get this out of the way? I want to get it out of the way. Pull it off like a band aid. Well, I should say I despised the second half, meaning I really didn't like the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Women in Love. We all remember Women in Love. And this movie is a quasi, sort of, almost kind of a sequel. Mm-hmm. Sort of based on another book in the series with the same actress from Women in Love playing like a different character with the same last name. I don't really know what's going on. It came it's out 20 cousin. years later. We'll yeah. Say. Directed by Ken Russell again. And it's called The Rainbow. So strap in, download a copy, and join us for The Rainbow. Now, download a copy on your, on your legal streaming platform. Was this movie hard to find? Uh... Yes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, so if you can't find it, fear not. We will probably rip it to shreds. We've got a second generation VHS rip ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> so the rainbow next week, and we'll do a bunch of other ones for the next little while. All right. So uh, get ready for that, folks. Strap in. But until then, Jason, they can find us on Facebook. Just search for Screen and Country. And they can also find us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. You can also find Jason on Twitter at Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D-N. I like Twitter sometimes, but also a lot of times I read Twitter and it makes my blood boil and I really got to stop reading Twitter. So send me some positive vibes, folks. Yeah, he has Twitter wars, you might say. And you've never sent me anything, so send me some positive vibes. Are you talking to me? Yeah, you sent me shit on Twitter. Okay. Nothing. Wow. All right, there we go. <laughs> but uh, all I got to say to you, Jason, is God save the queen. God save the screen. And for screening country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Let's go to war! It's a long way to Tipperary. It's a long way to go. It's a long way to Tipperary. To the sweetest gal I know. Goodbye to Piccadilly. Farewell, Leicester Square. It's a long, long way to Tipperary, but my heart lies there. Get the hook! Ah!